Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Hi, I'm Beth Carroll, and I'm going to be doing the teaching this week. And the past month, we've talked about Advent, we've talked about hope and joy and peace and love. We've celebrated Christ's birth. And then we come to my topic. And when I saw that I had slaughter of the innocents, I was panicked. I thought, what do you say about that? And when Doug sent the topic, he also sent the lectionary. And there were several scriptures. And what stood out to me, Psalm 148. And that psalm is full of praise. It's just a psalm of praise. The creation all praises God. And then you have Matthew 2, which talks about Herod having the babies killed. And I thought, how do you reconcile the two? How do you praise God in the midst of evil and suffering? And I just want to give some context first. So we know that the wise men came, they followed a star to Jerusalem, and they came to Herod. And they said, where can we find the one who was born king of the Jews? And Herod felt his power threatened. So he said to them, when you find him, come back and tell me so I can worship him. So the wise men went and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, and they worshiped the baby. But they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they went a different way. And then Joseph was warned in a dream to take the baby and the mother to Egypt because the baby's life was in danger. So I'm just going to read Matthew 2, 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and its all its surroundings, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. And I can't even imagine how they were feeling. I can't even imagine that happening. But I was thinking, how do we apply that today? There's evil today. It often seems like evil reigns and evil wins. And I've thought about Pastor Brito. He's someone that our church has supported for years. And he has a ministry in India. And we often get his emails. And it'll say a pastor went to a village where no one had heard about Jesus before and they were beaten up, had to be in the hospital, or a pastor was killed. I also think of dictators, and often when their power's threatened, they, um, when their power's threatened, in order to retain their power, they often will have thousands of their countrymen killed, and thousands more have become refugees and have to flee their country, and they're often where they're not really wanted. And it seems like the dictator gets away with it. The dictator retains power. I think of corrupt people and abusers who are often enabled, and it just doesn't seem like they get consequences in this life. And I often say, where are you, God? Don't you care? You can do something. Why won't you bring evildoers to justice? In our house church, one of our themes is God's kingdom being the upside-down kingdom of 
of God. And what God's kingdom values is total opposite of what our world values. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. If you want to find your life, you have to lose it. You have to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. And a Christian leader is a servant. Harry Nowen said that Christian leadership is an upward mobility, but downward mobility ending in the cross. But I was thinking, I often have to surrender my perspective in order to take God's perspective. And I often think my perspective is right. I want justice now. I want refugees to get their homes back now. And when Doug talked about hope, one thing he said was that hope doesn't pretend that difficult things aren't there, but it calls us to wake up to the bigness of God, his radical love, kingdom, and power of the Holy Spirit. And often I stand in my backyard and I love to look up and see a hawk flying and they're so high up and it just seems like it's soaring effortlessly. And then I think I'm on the ground and I look to my right and I see a building. I look to my left and I can see as far as trees. I look forward, I can see more, but then I'm eventually blocked. And I think that's my world. That's what I base my opinions on. That's what I based, base often what God's doing and interpret my experiences. And I look at the hawk and I think he's so high up. He has such a bigger perspective. He can see what I can't. And, um, and he just knows more. And God says that his ways and his thoughts are bigger than mine. And I often realize that, um, sorry. When God says to me, or I say to God, you don't love me. And he says, I love you with an everlasting love. I say, you've abandoned me. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Am I willing to surrender my perspective to what God says? And it's a laying down, a laying down of my life. The other thing I realized, I don't know that I've ever prayed for a dictator to come to know Jesus. I want dictators and abusers to get justice now. I want to pay them to pay for what they've done. And I wanted to talk about Corrie Ten Boom. Her and her, brother, her, and her, her and her sister and her father lived in Holland when the Nazis invaded. And they worked with the resistance to have a small room built in their house, a hiding place, where they would take Jewish people and keep them safe until they could be smuggled out of the country. And they saved thousands of lives. Someone came one day pretending to need help and they actually turned them in to the Nazis. They were sent to prison where her father died and her and her sister were sent to a concentration camp. Her sister ended up dying there, but Corey was released. And in the midst of the concentration camp and the horrors there, they were able to share the gospel with many people. So after the war, Corey traveled around the world telling people about God's love. And she was in Germany in 1947. And German, Germany, of course, was a broken place. They had started the war, and they were just a broken people. So I just want to read this. One of the things she liked to say was, when we confess our sins, God cast them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. And then afterwards, everyone left, and that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next, a blue uniform and a visor cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush, 
the huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp when we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him and the leather crop swinging from his belt. It was my first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein, again the hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. Could he erase my sister's slow, terrible death simply for the asking? I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole body, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long time, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. God gave Corey a heavenly perspective. It's only through the Holy Spirit that she could have ever forgiven this man. And it's just really challenged me. Who do I think is beyond redemption? And God's offer of grace and mercy and redemption is open to people that I would never think that it would be open to. Sorry. The other thing that I think about when I think about this topic, I'm reminded that my citizenship is in heaven and I long for heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's right to have anger at injustice and suffering and cancer and, and all these things. But I've realized in the past couple months that my extreme anger is often because I live as this world's my home. And I think that I deserve certain things, especially in this part of the world where I live. I expect two cars, not to have to drive my husband to work. I expect a decent place to live and to be able to save for retirement. But I've seen that when one of those things has been taken away from me, even for a short time, I get angry. And my heart is more rooted in this world than I'd like to admit. Um, even my surprise at evil often goes unpunished, I think, is often, is often because of that. Jesus says that in this world will tribulation, but I'm still surprised by that. During Advent, we celebrated Jesus' first coming, and now we, we anticipate and long for Jesus' second coming. He's coming again, and it's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming in glory. And that's just not a wish. That is a hope that is sure. 
Doug talked about his first week when he talked about hope of tikvah, of the Hebrew word for hope. And he talked about the cord, the cord starting with Rahab when the spies were sent into Jericho and Rahab protected them and kept them safe. And they said that if she put a red cord on her door, when they invade, that her and her family will be spared. Um, and Doug said that Jesus is our tikvah. He is the thread that goes through scripture. And I just picture that thread going through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and into Revelation. And I just want to read Revelation 21, 1 to 4. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And I think the reason I can praise God in the midst of evil and suffering, like I talked about in the beginning, first of all, is Jesus' is coming back, and that's what it will be like. Everything will be made right but also God is present with us now. He's Emmanuel, God with us, and he is with us now. And he is coming again. And I just want to finish with Revelation 22:16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.